This is a podcast from Red Hot Publications. Welcome to a podcast for readers about writers. This is Red Pub Pod. I'm Richard Eller, and joining me today as co-host is our editor-in-chief, Robert Knight. Hello there, everybody out there in podcast land. This is Red Pub Pod. And our guest for today has written an incredible book that we are now getting out to the public called In the Shadow of the Clock, The History of the Square, Statesville, North Carolina, 1790 to 1990. It's Mr. Steve Hill. Welcome. That's Dr. Steve Oh, I'm sorry. Dr. Uh, Steve. It is actually Steve. Oh, plain old Steve. Steve. All right. We're getting informal today. Well, Steve, thank you for coming. Thank you. And tell me about how this book happened, because it is an incredible study of downtown Statesville. Wow, thanks. Uh, I have been a lover of history all my life, and I was fortunate to have had uh, parents and grandparents who passed along family stories and tales uh, as I was growing up. I was also fortunate to have uh, elementary and high school teachers in the public school system of North Carolina who uh, were able to sprinkle healthy doses of local history into the uh, North Carolina history curriculum and even the U.S. history curriculum. That had an early impact on me. Uh, The community college system, if it weren't for the community college system, I probably would have not gone to college. I was first in the family to go to college. Uh, I went to Mitchell Community College. Actually, the first year it was Mitchell Private College, and uh, met up with some fascinating historians there. I don't know if you guys would remember Oscar Stradley. He was uh, uh, quite a quite an outstanding uh, professor of history at Mitchell, uh, as well as Lewis Brown, Steve Herman, uh, Joseph Pickett, Colonel Joseph Pickett, and. Uh, they really uh, stoked the fire within me to continue working on uh, research, local history research. I'm a firm believer that local history is is really important, and uh, it it takes a lot of local history to make up uh, the big history picture. So uh, this book is one of those small puzzle pieces in, in our country's uh, larger puzzle. I've always been a collector. Uh, over the years, uh, started collecting when I was a kid, rocks in the backyard, uh, postage stamps. I'd go to the mailbox and pull postage stamps off the letters, and then I got tired of that and collected pennies, Lincoln pennies, trying to get a, 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 date, a penny for every date. And uh, that kind of expanded into uh, paper collectibles, postcards, um, uh, advertising pieces, photographs. And by the time I uh, got my driver's license and was able to get out and hit the uh, the flea markets and the yard sales and the estate sales, I was I was off and running. So any just anything related to my hometown, my home county, uh, I tried to latch on to. Over the years, it it kind of uh, I guess got out of hand, <laughs> and it grew into what is now called the Statesville Historical Collection. I'd invite anybody passing through Statesville to stop by the storefront in downtown Statesville and look at the collection. its I don't call it a museum. It's not a museum because museum 
has a, a, a place for everything. Everything's labeled and everything is so formal. This is a real f- informal collection of uh, memorabilia, uh, everything from signs to, oh gosh, you name it, lots of photographs, thousands of photographs. So, And, and it's, uh, even though, uh, as Robert said, it kind of, it, it, fo- it focuses on a small part of the world, uh, Statesville, North Carolina, most people who come in are able to find at least something that they can associate with. They they can look at the old automobile section and look at the old cars and the car dealerships and the neon signs and the old. Uh, they can look at the diners. They can look at the movie theaters and what's showing on the movies. and And uh, I think it uh, can help just about anybody who is over fifty years old or so, forty or fifty years old, reminisce about the way things used to be in their hometown, whether it was in New York or wherever. And uh, for the younger kids, it allows them to see some things that they missed out on, and I, I think that's important too. So when when uh, when kids come, I do a lot of school groups, and when kids come through, uh, a couple of things I tell them, everybody needs to be a collector. So find something you uh, like to collect because it teaches you so many skills, um, everything from organization. But the biggest thing it teaches you is uh, how to research and how to do history. And uh, every kid needs to do that. I absolutely agree about the collecting thing because being a collector myself of, you know, I've got a house full of books and comic Uh books and this kind of stuff. It, It kind of does teach you those skills. Um, but also, too, it kind of helps you mark the passing of time, you know, in the nostalgia of looking at old advertisements and looking at, you know, old photographs of cars. You've got a photograph in the book of an old bus that uh, is on page 120, Statesville Motor Coach Company, yeah. and it's a GMC. And uh, it just, you know, it's one of those flat-nosed buses, what we used to call them. And, uh, you know, it, it lets me take a look at something that, I swear, when I was a kid, I saw, but I really didn't take much note of. But now it kind of tickles something in my memory, you know, when I see it. And the book is just chock full of these kind of photographs of uh, times gone by that you wake up one day and you're, you know, 60 years old and you've got this collection of stuff that marks that passage of time. So collecting can also do that. Yeah, I think it's a form of research because when you're collecting something and you see it, you think, well, how did this fit into society in general or, or what was its purpose? And you begin, you know, it piques your interest and you begin researching from there, which is an absolutely essential skill to have. It is. Yeah. In in terms of the, the pictures, how you just over the years got this, this set of pictures and this, that one? I mean, how did that work? Yeah, uh, we're fortunate there in, uh, in Iredale County to have had three or four uh, successful photographers, professional photographers uh, from the 1890s on up until the 1960s. And uh, somehow or another, by the grace of God, most of their work has been uh, preserved or at least has been saved and uh, boxes of negatives are available. Uh, probably, gosh, probably if you include all the portraits and studio photographs, uh, probably a half million negatives and photographs wow. that, that still haven't seen the light of day. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of material there. 
what I've done is I've gone through and I've tried to pull out uh, things that interest me, not necessarily people, not that people aren't important, but uh, uh, the street scenes, scenes, the church groups, the school gatherings, and uh, things of the nostalgic type of uh, work. Those are the things I'm most interested in. Business history, I'm, I'm really interested in business history. Uh, so I've tried to pull those out, and uh, uh, I'm a regular customer at Walgreens for their 50% off coupon. I put in a plug for Walgreens. <laughs> uh, 50, on 50% off coupon days, you can get a 8 by 10 when I, first, when I first started, it would cost me um, to have someone take a 8 by 10 to a dark room and do all the magic and make me a copy of it. Uh, it would cost me five to eight dollars, even back in the eighties. But now you can you can go to CVS or Walgreens and have one done in an hour for a couple bucks or so. Uh, so, so technology helps that. It really has. Yes. Yeah, you can buy flatbed scanners now to take to your home that you can put the negatives in. Yeah, and scan the yeah. negative, and Photoshop software like that will reverse it and give you a digital version of the photograph. Yep, that's exactly right. One one day, not too awful long ago, a guy brought in a cardboard box with, it looked like window panes, in it, like 8 by 10 window panes, and uh, you could hold them up to the light, and you can see some things on there, so like you say, Robert, we'll glass put those on the... Yeah, glass uh, negatives, yeah. yeah. Put those on your scanner and uh, switch it to negative mode, and boom, those, the the quality is equal to anything you could take today yeah, on we, your cell phone. We were very fortunate when we were working on the Hickory 150th anniversary book that we got uh-huh. some glass negatives. Yeah. And, we're able to utilize that same thing, and and there, what's the what was the hotel that burned? That's one of the oh, first glass uh, negatives the, we got. The Hickory Inn, yeah. Yeah, wow. yeah, and that those are. I love when those come up on your screen, yeah. and you're able to see, you, you know, what's it. on that what's yeah. on that glass negative. So this area of Statesville that you're covering, you told me that it's about two acres. <laughs> Probably two acres. It's uh, like you think about a square, a, a typical square in a town. When uh, Statesville was laid out, the streets were the the two main streets were a hundred feet wide, and uh, it's a pretty big thoroughfare. That's a pretty big thoroughfare for that time. Someone said that it took. That's the minimum it would take to turn a horse and wagon around in the middle of the street without doing a three point turn, ah. uh, which makes sense. But and a three-point turn would be kind of tough for it a would, horse. Yeah, it would be yeah. back up. Yeah. <laughs> back up, Jack. <laughs> this, this horse don't go in reverse, does it? And, uh, but probably— Oh, he uh, goes in reverse. You just don't want to be back <laughs> yeah, there yeah, when yeah, he does. Yeah. Right. That's a tricky horse if it does. Yeah. Uh, but the, the, the square, I mean, the, uh, the, the uh, county courthouse stood in the center of the square. So there had to be enough room— to get to, to build the courthouse and then have enough room to to get around it with a horse and wagon. So it's probably more about the courthouse than it was turning a horse and wagon around. But so the square would be a hundred hundred feet wide on each side, and the buildings maybe uh, forty or fifty feet apiece. So probably a couple of acres we're talking about. So it's not a a real big patch of real estate, but it's an important part of. Uh, of Iredell County, of course, Statesville is the the uh, the, the county seat of Iredell, and um, dating back to 1789, the streets were actually laid, laid out in 1790. 
that's that's how I came up with the 1790 to to uh, 1990. I stopped at 1990 because when you get beyond that, I guess there's too many people who know what happened. And you, <laughs> too it's, many it's kind of, <laughs> That's right. It's kind of like when I first started collecting. I didn't collect anything beyond my uh, the date, the year I was born. So I wanted everything before 1954. And as I got older, I said, well, you know, these 60s things are pretty cool. Uh, so I would collect 1960s things. Now I'm up to the 1990s. Uh, in in the collection, and I guess someday it'll keep on going if I keep on going. Yeah, there was a time that I used to think 1990 was just 10 years ago. Yeah, really. Now, <laughs> well, you know, when you're in the present, you don't think about how fleeting some of that stuff is that you'll never see some of these scenes again. Yeah. But then when you get 10, 20, 30 years beyond it, you go, wow, the 1980s was an uh, interesting time that we don't see much of yeah, anymore. Were, My God, those clothes they wore in the 1970s. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and everything comes back again. That's right. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm holding on to my bell-bottom blue jeans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got much, a leisure suit somewhere. <laughs> oh, gee. <laughs> so much happened in that little square, especially about the civic life, but just people in general in Statesville. Yeah, right? it was the uh, the center of social activity, business activity, um, political activity. It was... Uh, in the early days, it was where political parties posted their colors. They posted the flag for the, the president they were supporting, and it would stay up for a while, then somebody else would put up a, a, their their candidate. It was uh, uh, being the courthouse. It's where a lot of uh, property was sold on the, on the courthouse steps for people who didn't or couldn't pay their taxes. And uh, unfortunately, it was a place where a lot of slaves were sold on the courthouse steps as well. Uh, when I do uh, my walking tour with groups, I, I talk a little bit about that, but I, I tell people that uh, the salt of m- many tears lies underneath the pavement that we're standing on from the uh, slaves that were sold, sometimes individually, sometimes as entire families. So that kind of activity took place there. It was the uh, place where the street preachers went. They could always find a crowd. It was the place where the uh, snake oil salesmen would set up their their table and uh, make a few sales before skedaddling out of town. <laughs> it's a place where uh, Tom Dooley got tried. I mean, the, with the courthouse there. Yeah. I mean, all that commotion that went along with that. Yeah, actually, the uh, he was like, oh gosh, maybe fifty, or uh, maybe fifty. Feet. The jail was 50 or maybe 75 feet from the square where he was held for two years during his trial. He was convicted once and he appealed and he was convicted a second time, but it took two years to do all that with the most beloved uh, lawyer in the state, Governor Zebulon Vance. Um, but Zebulon Vance couldn't get him off. So, uh, yeah, so he was right there on the square. And then one morning, May, I think it was May 1st, 1868, they loaded him up, made a, a rare left turn on the square, which was forbidden for many years. You couldn't make a left turn on the square, but I guess if you're hauling Tom Dooley to the gallows, yeah. that was okay. The guy who turned out to be a folk hero in a lot <laughs> yeah. of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the rest of that is history, of course. Hang down your head. Right, yeah. And cry. <laughs> and if the Kingston Tree, a bunch of, uh, bunch of uh, singers out in Hollywood hadn't picked up that song, we wouldn't even know who he was, most likely. 
yeah, he'd be he'd be a real footnote, you yeah. know. But it's it's one you've got a whole section in your um, center yeah. downtown yeah. that's yeah. devoted not only to what happened, but the um, the fame of it, thanks to the Kingston Trio and all that stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the movie uh, starring Michael Landon as Tom Dooley. Yeah. And all the theaters across the world that that uh, movie showed uh, from just South Africa, Iceland, uh, of course, all the European countries uh, were fascinated by it. But yeah. What's the story of the clock? When did it when did it show up and how long has it been there? Because it's a real icon. Yeah. In yeah. When people think of downtown Statesville, that's probably the one thing that comes to mind is the old town clock. And we're, we're fortunate to still have ours. I uh, can't remember, does does Hickory have, is their clock working? Does it, do they have a clock there? Uh, they have one in front of Beisner's that yeah. uh, uh, used to be more centrally located, but it's still uh, on Union Square, So, but it's still there, yeah. And yeah. wasn't it like owned by one of the jeweler businesses down there, Dietz and Taylor or something like well, that? Well, it was Beisner's Jewelers. Oh, it was Beisner's yeah. that had uh, yeah. okay. And George Beisner was one of the old-time, early uh, residents who wrote a lot about it, so he was like a big name in town. Yeah. The Statesville town clock dates back to eighteen, about eighteen ninety one. The uh, the first national bank built the bank building there on the corner, and they put a big tower on the top of it. And uh, someone said that would be a great place for a clock. Now you got to remember, this is in the county where there's still a lot of frugal Scots Irish blood, and a lot of farmers. And the farmers said, "No, we're not." Paying taxes to put a clock for for everybody to use, <laughs> heck, that would be crazy. <laughs> so they were. Uh, we've got to have everybody buy their own watch, yeah, or yeah. charge them to look at it, and or then something. we've yeah. got to sell them a chain yeah. to put on their watch. And that's what they said. Every that would uh, put every clock salesman and watch salesman in town out of business. And what would it do for our economy? So all these farmers' unions uh, started protesting all the way from, from Yadkin, <laughs> Wilkes County, all the way down to Mecklenburg County, and they had these wow. meetings, and it was it was it was crazy. Uh, the the um, amount of opposition there was to something as simple as a oh, I think it cost a couple hundred dollars, three or four hundred dollars. It wasn't a big deal, but uh, the city leaders uh, decided to go forward, or the county commissioners actually decided to go forward with it, and. And we have the clock. It, ha- it hasn't worked in a long time. Uh, it uh, keeps fairly regular time, but the, the chime has not worked in many years. And that's something I would like to see changed. Uh, um, maybe an electronic system, uh, chiming system to go with it. I'm hoping that we can do that someday. Because you go to places like Newburn, and, man, you're walking around those historic buildings in Newburn, and you hear that chalk, that, that clock chime, and it kind of gives you cold chills. It takes you back. It does. It yeah. takes you back. That's crazy about the farmers not wanting it yeah. uh, not yeah. wanting it there. But every town's got its controversies like that. And we, we still have those same farmers <laughs> in, in our county. They're like who, 200 years old, but yeah. they're still there. And still frugal. Yeah, still frugal and who protest uh, just about everything that comes along that costs taxpayer money. Yeah, now the county courthouse is kind of out of the range of the square, yeah, right? Yeah. But, but, I mean, it's important, too, because architecturally it was quite a, quite a feat when it was built. Yeah. 
1854, the city suffered a, a major catastrophe. Fire burned down about half the town, including mm-hmm. the courthouse. So uh, uh, the courthouse was moved off the square, moved down about a block or I guess a half a block uh, south, and uh, a new building was built. And it lasted, it was, it was rather small, and it lasted up until uh, about 1899, 98, 99. And uh, uh, then the current, what we call the old courthouse, was built. Bricks uh, uh, made on site and all that. Yeah, yeah. and it was kind of a, uh, if you look at, uh, oh, what's the county down, uh, Albemarle. Oh. But their their courthouse is almost almost identical. So the federal government had, I guess, a, uh, a common blueprint that they built these types of buildings. Well, the ones still around tend to take on that kind of turn-of-the-century sort of look, you yeah, know, yeah. That, that, that you still see. Yeah. How, how would you characterize downtown Statesville these days? It seems to be still pretty pretty vibrant. Yeah, we suffered a, uh, a lot during the 1980s and 90s. Uh, like a lot of small towns, the main shopping area moved to the outskirts of town, with the shopping malls and the the strip malls and that kind of thing. Yeah, you had a and, you had a mall down there off was it Broad Street? Yes, yeah. yes, and it it, uh, it was uh, like the late sixties, early seventies when that area really started developing out there, and it left downtown Statesville behind. We lost J C Penney, we lost Belk, we lost Woolworth, Spain Hours, and you know some of the some of the larger national chains. They all moved out to the. What we now call the small mall, but it's uh, it was the mall, Signal Hill Mall, and uh, it was a great place to shop. And but it really changed the landscape of downtown. Uh, for many years, we had lots of empty buildings, but it, on, on the upside, it did allow small-time businesses to move into some of those places, and small family businesses moved in, and they thrived. Uh, but the big guys. If you wanted to go to Belk, you had to go to the mall or to Hickory Mall. A lot of people in the states will uh, – was the Hickory Mall out on uh, 64 on the west side of town? Is that Hickory? Yeah, Catawba, Catawba Mall. Catawba Catawba Catawba. Mall yeah. It's the yeah. contemporary with Signal Hill. Yeah. 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 And then, of course, Valley Hills after that. But. And now the pendulum has swung the other way, and <sighs> yeah. downtowns are becoming more yeah. vibrant. And look at Hickory, man. During during COVID, I would go up downtown. I'd, I'd choose a, a different town every week uh, when during the lockdown when you couldn't be around people. And I would just go in just out in the open air and just walk around uh, town. And a couple, couple of times Hickory came back around, so I was able to do Hickory and Newton and you know, all the surrounding towns. But that was an interesting thing to do. When we first got our driver's licenses in the late 1970s, we used to go to Statesville all the time to go to Signal Hill Mall. It was oh, just really? a different place to go. Uh-huh. And then years after that, JR's Tobacco yeah. <laughs> became, oh, yeah. a, became a place for us to go and, yeah. and get cigars and, <laughs> and right. used books and remainder books. And yeah. there was a used paperback store in downtown called Mary Max Used Paperbacks yeah. that yeah. we used to go hit that place up to. So yeah. we spent a lot of time when we were younger going to Statesville. There was a film, a horror film film down there that Phyllis Diller was in yeah. uh, years called, and years uh, ago. Called Boneyard. Yeah, that's it. Uh, and it was a real... A real loser, but it it was filmed in the, in the old abandoned 
Davis Hospital. Actually, Statesville was kind of a hotbed in the late eight, uh, 1980s and early 1990s. There was some kind of uh, uh, labor dispute out in California, so they farmed out a lot of the, the B-level or lower-level made-for-TV movies to North Carolina, and Statesville was able to get in on some of those. Uh, but we got to see some big names like Phyllis Diller and George C. Scott and uh, Martin Sheen and uh, Lori Lachlan. And actually, um, the first movie we got was called A Stoning in Fulham County. And it was about uh, the Amish uh, people up in Pennsylvania, uh, but it was filmed in northern Iredale County with a lot of farms, and they brought in the Amish buggies and that kind of thing. But one of the actors in that that movie was a young Brad Pitt. Oh. It was Brad Pitt's first credited movie role. He had been an extra in some movies, uh, but had never really had his name attached to a, a movie. By that, at that time, had been on TV, so everybody knew his name and knew who he was, and you know that kind of thing. But uh, but old Brad Pitt has roamed the street, the square, roamed the square of Statesville. <laughs> and you've got some memorabilia, yeah, in in your center that uh, talks about some of these movies, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, you cover about everything in there. Uh, just a little bit of everything, yeah, anything. And that reminds me, for those of you out there listening, this is a kind of focused edition of Red Pub Pod. We're talking about uh, a local town just a few minutes, uh, what is it, west or east? east of, the east of east Hickory. Of, of Hickory. The book is located, or you can get the book, uh, from Steve at his center. He will have it for sale there. It's about 300 pages. It's 40 bucks. You can also get it at redhawkpublications.com. We've got them in stock, and we're shipping daily. Are you going to have any um, special events or anything like that for your book? Yeah, we're going to have kind of a, a, I guess you'd call it a book signing. I've never signed books before, but it seems kind of foreign. But Hey, it's better than uh, signing checks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so. And uh, I turned my phone off for this uh for the podcast, so I can't look at my calendar, but it is uh, a Thursday night late, uh, later in uh, July, toward the end of the month, and uh, we'll have some wine and cheese. We'll have the the famous Clay Lunsford there playing his guitar with a little mood music, and just a fun time to celebrate and meet friends and talk and sell a book or two. We'll have uh, more specific information on that on our website at redhawkpublications.com, and we'll also have it on our Facebook page for Red Hawk Publications. Um, I wanted to talk about Casey Jones, keeper of the law and order around the square. Um, This is one of the things that uh, is kind of lost on folks nowadays, uh, that every downtown kind of had a beat cop you know, a police officer that was, uh, you'd see a lot. And I really love this picture you've got here. It's from your collection of uh, Officer James Howard Casey Jones. Did you ever get to know him, or did you ever get to meet him? I did. Uh, Casey Jones uh, was a legend, especially for every kid. He he would guard the, the square and make sure it didn't go anywhere uh, during the day, and uh, he would slip away. Uh, long enough to serve as a crossing guard at uh, clo- a nearby elementary school. So the kids loved Casey. I loved Casey. I uh, I did not attend city schools, but I knew him. When I would go with my mother shopping on Saturday mornings, uh, we always met up with Casey, and he always gave me a stick of juicy fruit chewing gum. 
And, and there wasn't anything better than yeah, Jesse for a Fred. kid, yeah. for a kid. <laughs> and I still have the feelings to prove it. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's no gum that will trigger your swallow reflex better than juicy fruit. I mean, but Casey, he was more of a I don't know. He was more of a PR man. He he didn't have a car. I guess if somebody broke the law, he would blow his whistle or something. But uh, he, as far as you know, compared to law enforcement officers today, uh, he was more of a a goodwill ambassador, I guess, for the city, and always welcoming visitors and being pleasant. During the day, he would run run the, the school kids out of the pool hall uh, when, who were playing hooky and that kind of thing. Uh, so he was he was quite a man, quite a character. I, w- I wish we had a Casey Jones on our town squares now. I think it would would be good. And you've got you've got like his uh, snub snub nose thirty eight in his badge at your center yeah, on display, yeah, correct? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some wonderful pictures in here around page 137, 138 in the book, where you can get to know Casey, and uh, because Steve has put this in 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 order according to linearity from 1790 to 1990, and every page is chock full of text and photographs. Yeah, lots of photographs. Yeah, yeah, wonderful stuff. And it's printed in color. So where the photographs are in color, they are presented in color. And, um, and sometimes it's just you wouldn't a great think that. job. You know, I mean, you've got this one, uh, look at 154, uh, more or less a current shot. I guess it's 1990 or so with the kind of cars. But there's also color shots that go back to, that looks like an early 50s automobile. Yeah, we yeah. had one one photographer who must have sprung for a role of color film in 1954. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't know when color film came out, but it couldn't have been too long before that. But because there's like 16 color photographs in his collection, and that was about it. But they, the, the ones he took, though, are really good good photographs. And I noticed in your layout that you maintained, you know, sepia tones and things like that on photographs where they were uh, where they were available. Yeah. So it's got a really, really nice presentation of um, antiquity to it. But the photographs uh, uh, reproduced very, very well in the printing. They did. And, and thank you uh, for that because you, your work, your staff has been so great to work with and uh, this book, you know, I've never published a book before. Heck, I, uh, I just sat down during COVID and, and collected some photographs and some notes and started writing. And you guys have been so helpful. Uh, Robert is the, the master, uh, punctuation guy that, uh, it'd been 60 years since I'd studied punctuation and, uh, but he was able to salvage the well, project. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but you 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 had all the hard stuff done. Uh, so this is this is one of those things where the collaboration is is lopsided because you had most of it done, and it was just a few uh, uh, a few tweaks here and there, but uh, to get things where they needed to be and how they needed to be. And and we look forward to doing another volume of uh, seventeen ninety through. Uh, you know, 2010 or something like that in the future. Maybe, maybe someone to step forward and do that. Well, <laughs> Other than me. No, no. The vast majority of your pictures aren't posted. I mean, you got a lot in here, probably, what, 400 We, we at one time? Yeah, I think probably so. Um, but you still got so many more yeah. that aren't that tell a whole lot of other stories. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. When I do a, a program for a civic group, uh, one, of my, one of my programs is every photo has a story. The old timers who come to my place 
every day, and, and we sit around the table and we talk history, and we will take a photograph or a topic for the day, and we will research it, and we will um, try to look at that photograph and tell as many things about it as we can. If it's somebody that we th- we think someone may know, we'll contact that person and try to get some information. If it's a, an event, we'll go through the newspapers and try to find out what was going on at the time. But we try to we try to capture the the uh, what's going on in just about every photograph, and I, I think that's important to do. And and please, uh, those of you listening, I hope you'll uh, you'll go to your family scrapbook and you will go and you will turn every photograph over and write everything you know about that photograph down while you can because Absolutely. if you wait till tomorrow it won't happen and don't put grandma <laughs> write her name you give her a name yeah a hundred yeah. years a year from now somebody, who's grandma are we talking about that's yeah. right they may not know granny well you know statesville is really a crossroads town i mean you got two interstates that yeah. that go there now and it always has been right yeah it has been yeah back in the early days uh Anybody traveling uh, pretty much from from the east uh, eastern area, Wilmington, uh, Edenton, down that way, heading out to the Indian lands, they would have to come through there. And uh, same is true north and south. We've got 77 going north and south. And we're just fortunate that they crossed right there in the dadgum center of the county. Yeah, uh, pretty much by design, but yeah. you also had the railroad come through there. I yep. mean, all kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, you, you have stories of uh, broadcast Charlotte Broadcast coming up there to be a part of that. I mean, so many yeah. different things happen there. Yeah. Well, don't let the word history in the title of the book scare you, uh, for those who don't like history, because <laughs> I'm definitely not a historian. And it's written not on a textbook uh, level, but more on a conversational level. Uh, that's the only way I know to write. And you know, well, and you know something else about this book that is really interesting. If you are a budding writer out there and you're working on a novel and you're or you're working on short stories and you want a place that ha- that you can you can can put forth an atmosphere or a sense of place in your writing, a book like this is a marvelous repository for that because it first of all it spans 200 years. Second of all, you've got hundreds of pictures that you can use as description, you know, wherever you've placed your story or wherever you've placed your novel. Um, Statesville is kind of like an every town. I mean, those of you out there listening right. right now, whether you're in North Carolina or you're in one of the other states in the in the United States, you've been to a town just like Statesville, Hickory, Newton, these towns, they all have the same kind of feelings and the same kind of thing. So this book is an excellent research material for, you know, creating art based on what it what it gives you. So, yeah, it's, it's a starter in a lot of ways because you could take any any person that comes up here, and if especially if there's an image that tells you a lot about them, start to imagine, now, what was life like for this person? There, there's the, where's the fire dog? I, I come across that mm-hmm. uh, at one time. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, even if you wanted to talk about uh-huh. the animals, there's, uh, there's, there's plenty uh, that went on there that you could use. And then we didn't even talk about the greased pole yeah, uh, the contest. Pole. Yeah. <laughs> Stick a dollar bill or a five dollar bill or a silver dollar on top of a telephone pole, cover it with uh, chicken grease, and and let and you've the, got a public event. Let the guy. Yeah, you got a you got a party. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could tell there weren't any video games back then. That's right. <laughs> 
Well, that's what, you know, that's what a lot of people talk about in those old uh, days. You know, you made your own fun. And, yeah, had to. You know, and, and Stateful is in every town, but it's it's kind of more than that because most towns don't have this kind of um, of uh, repository. Oh, that's definitely a positive. Yeah, yeah. that you have 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 given your time and your expertise to to put something like this together in your center. Well, hopefully it will be valuable to city planners, event planners, who might be looking for some interesting and fun things to do to create interest in their areas. Uh, like, every, you know, talk about the Grease Pole, uh, the, the parades, and every parade had a theme or a scheme, and we had some really good schemers and promoters that came up with some really wild things that could be replicated today, I think, and would be a lot of fun. So uh, so if you're out there listening and you, your job is to bring excitement into your town, this may be a, a place for you to get a few ideas. I would love to see some local politicians try to go up a grease pole. <laughs> Maybe we could, we could uh, uh, schedule one of those. Yeah, I'd pay for that. Well, because there's so many things that went on in this town. I mean, you had a lot of promoters that were bringing – as troops came through, they made yeah. a stop in Statesville. It was a it was a stop along the way for acting groups and singers and all kinds of people. Yeah, sure was. I thank you for doing this book because you have given Statesville a real gift. And I want to say one thing about you know you're talking yeah. about your writing that it is I think much more accessible to people than uh, you know writing from a you know a, a erudite historian point of view that you have made it so that you can just open this thing any place and go huh Casey Jones struck by car you know mm-hmm. you and and start from there and and it just kind of pulls you in that way and the pictures also help because they give your imagination something to go go from you know well even more than that is proof that anybody if you you have something to say you can write a book and because Red Hawk Publishing at uh, Catawba Valley Technical College will will take you by the hand. They will lead you. They will help you. Richard and Robert and Patty, I uh, just can't thank you all enough for all that you've done. Oh, we're very honored to do it. It was, it was a lot of fun. Like I say, there's been a lot of projects we've done that haven't been fun, but this is one that was, was actually uh, so well done and so much done for us that, you know, it was a joy to do. And again, what a what a what a piece of product it is! It's just it's there's nothing in our catalog like it. So we're very very happy to have it. And we can tell you're a history guy because you referred to us by our old name, Catawba Valley Technical College. Oh, what well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did, I did. Yeah. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I'm, I'm old. Uh, so, sometimes those names hang on. You know, we, you know, we call we, me whatever you want to call me, but hey, don't call me late for supper. Uh, hey, I had to Google what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes we don't want to, but things change, and right. you, you can see that in the sweep of this book as it goes from you know one one, and you've got some of them by decades. You know, if go from yeah. one decade to the next of uh, kind of how fleeting this current life is because it's going to change. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's for sure. And again, for those of you listening to Red Pub Pod, the book is available. From uh, Steve himself at his center in Statesville. Go there. Yeah, go there because you're going to want to pick up the book and you're going to want to look at the stuff that he's got in there. He doesn't call it a museum, but it's got a very museum feel to it. And if you uh, are too far away or you don't want to get out, uh, redhawkpublications.com, look under New Arrivals, New Releases, and you'll find the book. It is uh, free shipping. 
It's a $40 book, full color throughout, and uh, we look forward to shipping it to you. We ship daily. And if you're looking for an adventure, I would advise you to get the book, order it online, go get it, read it, and then go to Statesville and search out some of these places because they're really going to pique your interest. It's called In the Shadow of the Clock, The History of the Square, Statesville, North Carolina, 1790 to 1990. Dr. Steve Hill. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today on Red Pub Pod. Can you say that? Red, uh, not real fast. Red. Red Pub Pod. (laughs) Red Pub Pub Pod. Pod. Okay. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. From the Plush Welded Studios at Catawba Valley Community College, we bid you adieu. Farewell. This has been Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Can you say that? Red, uh, not real fast. A podcast. Red Pub Pod. From Red Hot Publications. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pod. Red Pub Pub.